So this morning I'd like to continue our journey through the Satipatthana Sutta, the four establishments of mindfulness. And over the last couple of days we've been working progressively through these, starting with the first and the second establishments, mindfulness of the body and mindfulness of feeling tone or Vedana. So I think we're ready now to move on to the third establishment, which is mindfulness of the mind itself. And this involves bringing awareness to all of our mental activity and simply knowing thoughts as thoughts, emotions as emotions, moods as moods, and so on, without getting entangled in the content of it all which as I'm sure you know is not nearly as simple and easy as it might sound. So we're bringing this same quality of bare awareness to our mental activity. And this is pretty different from how we usually relate to our minds. So for untrained worldlings, people without some mindfulness training, Most people tend to either pay no attention to their thoughts until they've done or said something that was unfortunate, or they believe their thoughts completely and identify with them and take them as defining who they are. So on the one hand, we tend to wrongly believe that thoughts are not important, and on the other, at times, we take them far too seriously. And I'm guessing... You've all had that experience, maybe, for some of you even today, of being in a state of relative ease, just going about doing what you're doing, feeling relatively content, even happy. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, a random negative thought comes in, and it feels like the whole world shifts, and we get caught in all kinds of painful, unpleasant emotions, sometimes for hours, maybe even days because of one firing of neurons in the brain. But as our mindfulness gets stronger, we can bring that same bare awareness to what's happening in our minds and begin to be able to relate to thoughts as thoughts and to see that in and of themselves, they don't have that much power. So what is a thought? I mean, Biologically, it's just a tiny pulse of electrical activity in the brain. And thoughts only have exactly as much power as we give to them. So the more solid we make our thoughts, the more weight we give them, the more seriously we take them, the more we cling to them. To that extent, they tend to cause stress and distress. The opposite is also true. The more we can know our thoughts as just thoughts, the more we release identification with them, the more freedom we have to choose which ones to respond to and which ones to simply let go of. So as preparation for practicing with mindfulness of the mind in a few minutes, I'd like to say just a little bit about the different types of mental activity that we can bring awareness to. Now, usually I think our mental activity just feels like a whole mass, or uh, I'm not sure what the right word is, what's the collective noun for a bunch of mental activities? Uh, A mess, maybe. (laughs) 
our minds can feel like a mess of mental activity. So being able to just start to tease it apart a little can help stay present with it. So again, we're trying to stay with the process rather than the content. And so in my own practice, just um, to make it easier, I have these different categories, thoughts, emotions, moods, and mind states. And these are not categories that are found in the uh, classical discourses. They're just a tool that's been helpful in my own practice. So the purpose of them is not to get tangled up in trying to precisely categorize was that a mood or more of an emotion, but just to be able to tease apart what's happening in the mind just a little bit. So what do I mean by each of these? Well, thoughts, just fairly basic, simple, what we normally mean in English, any kind of mental thought process that doesn't have much of a bodily aspect to it, but it's mostly experienced in the mind. And mental activity is known by in different ways at different times, so and for different people too. So some people are more verbally oriented, and for them thoughts might appear as words in the mind or an inner dialogue. Other people, or at times, thoughts can appear as mental images, like an inner movie, and we can hear music and other types of sounds. And all of these we can classify as thoughts. And then there are emotions. And the distinction here is that although emotions often have a mental component, they usually have a physical aspect too. And this is what distinguishes them from thoughts. So emotions are often experienced as a mixture of sensations in the body and an activity in the mind. So, for example, just taking anxiety as an example, in terms of the body, it might be accompanied by a hollow feeling in the chest or tightness in the breathing. Maybe there's some clamminess in the hands or a feeling of shakiness. And these physical sensations, they often come with a rush of mental activity. There can be some agitated thinking, and that agitated thinking often intensifies the sensations in the body so it can set up a kind of a feedback loop that uh, makes the emotion stick around for longer unless we're able to bring mindfulness and kindness to it. So emotions tend to have some degree of intensity and come and go relatively quickly. And they're usually relatively easy to recognize because of that relative intensity. And this makes them distinct from moods, which tend to be more in the background as a sort of a general coloring of our experience. And because they're in the background, they're often harder to see, harder to recognize. And often they're a composite of different emotions and thoughts. And they're often all mushed together, so it's not so easy to recognize what is going on. So, for example, we might say, in English, it's common to say, well, I'm just in a bad mood. But if we were to bring more investigation to what we're calling a bad mood, we might recognize, oh, there's a low-level feeling of flatness or depression. Maybe there's some 
flickers of frustration or irritation, quite possibly some self-judgment in there, and often a whole pile of resistance that's unconsciously wanting to get rid of the unpleasant experience, or perhaps at times holding on to it, and I'm in a bad mood, solidifying around it. So we can see there are all different components to what we call a mood. And some of, of you have heard me share that when I was first putting together this talk and I was trying to find ways that we might describe all the different complexities of a mood, it started to remind me of the way that wine lovers talk about wine and come up with sort of tasting notes. And I thought, well, that's what we're doing with our moods. And so as an example, we as a fake wine tasting note website. And it's one of the examples of the Soprano Winery merges disguised pickle mid-tones with a caramelized sushi aftertaste in 1999 Bordeaux. <laughs> and we can think of that in relation to our moods. Maybe there's a base note of deep weariness and a range of sour mid-tones, some top notes of self-loathing and a belligerent yet anxious aftertaste. (laughs) So, of course, we're playing with this, but it's good to, in a way, to become connoisseurs of our own moods, not so that we can dwell in them, but so we can get more clarity about what's happening and help them to release. So moods, and then lastly, mind states. And by mind states, this is really any other type of mental experience that's not a thought, an emotion, or a mood. And usually they're a little more subtle and harder to recognize at first. But mind states are what I think of as the overall quality of the mind. It's not so much an emotion. And so, for example... Mental qualities such as alertness or dullness, concentration or distractedness, interest or disengagement. There's an overall discernible quality of the mind, but it doesn't necessarily have thoughts associated with it, and it doesn't have the bodily feeling of an emotion or a mood. So in all of this, the tool of mental noting can be useful to help as stay present with what's happening. So just as in the breathing we can note rising or falling, with the mind we can start to notice, oh, clarity or brightness or thinking, more thinking, interest, sinking, dullness and so forth. And this tool of just noting what's happening is a very skillful one when it comes to the mind because the part of the mind that's making the note is different from the part of the mind that's experiencing, say, the emotion or the thought. So particularly when it comes to emotions, if we can just note, oh, sadness or hurt or grief or embarrassment... Each moment that we use the label, we're perforating the cloud of what that emotion is and ultimately helping it to disperse. So this morning we're going to practice just with thoughts. And this is a 
key skill of just letting the thoughts come and go, letting them be known, without suppressing them, without denying them. So the first thing we want to remember is that thoughts are not the enemy. We're not trying to get rid of thoughts. Because thinking is just what the mind does most of the time. The eyes see, the ears hear, the mind thinks. It's just natural. And yet sometimes even very experienced meditators can have a belief that real meditation is about having no thoughts in the mind whatsoever. And while it's true that this can happen in some of the deeper stages of samadhi practice, in vipassana or insight, we're not trying to get rid of thoughts. We're trying to change our relationship to them. So we're not identifying with them. We're just knowing them as thinking. So in the meditation, in a few moments, we'll go through that gradual sequence. We'll bring awareness into the body, breathing to develop the samadhi. Then we'll open up to sensations and sounds and then just begin to notice mental activity. When we get to that point, there are a couple of very common things that can happen for people. One is that Quite amazingly, how in all the previous meditations the mind might have felt to be plagued with thoughts, but when they're, quote, allowed to be there, poof, they just disappear. (laughs) It's almost like they get stage fright. And then suddenly it feels like there's nothing going on. And so if that's happening for you, you can just note, oh, nothing much. Blankness. Maybe very subtle calm. So you don't need to try to manufacture anything or change your experience. Other people find the opposite, that when they're invited to actually notice their mental activity, it feels like it goes into overdrive and there's a sudden flood or torrent of thoughts and it's impossible to notice just even one. So if that's true for you, then you can just note flood or torrent or lots, just doesn't matter so much what the word is, but just staying present with it. For other people, this whole project just stimulates more thinking, and then people get caught up in wondering, was that vague idea a thought, or was it an emotion, and am I thinking about the thought? Does does it count as thinking if you're thinking about thinking? I think I might be thinking about thinking. Is that (laughs) thinking too? If you find that happening, just see if you can note confusion confusion, and if necessary, you can always come back to the breath and re-steady the awareness there. Okay, so that's the general overview of what we'll be doing.